0: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to quickly thank our supporting partners who make the podcast possible. And this month, that's Psychology, We Are One Composites and Kushcore, who've got some awesome offers for you lovely Downtime listeners psychology is a bike clothing brand that you may not have heard of but you really should based out of the northern beaches of sydney australia psychology stands out from the crowd with unique and bold designs that deliver something different from what you might be used to seeing on the trails psychology are totally comfortable with the fact that their designs aren't for everyone but if you're looking for something more jazzy than the regular offerings then they've got you covered Because Psychology are a direct-to-customer brand, they punch way above their weight when it comes to the quality you get for the price you pay. I can vouch for the fact that the quality of the products is great. I've had the pleasure of riding in their short-sleeved mountain bike jersey, and the material is really light and soft and feels great next to the skin. The mountain bike shorts are well-featured, lightweight, and have a soft, stretchy material with a great cut. With a generous offer that Psychology are giving to downtime listeners, you could get that combo delivered to your door for just £84. There's a full range of quality road riding gear to choose from and a big women's range too. Head over to psychologygear.co.uk, that's psychology spelled C-Y-C-O-L-O-G-Y and check out what they have to offer. By using the code DOWNTIME20 at the checkout, you'll get 20% off until the 5th of July. That's downtime, all uppercase, followed by the number 20. There's a very clever online sizing app to help you choose the right size for you. Free shipping for all orders over £25 and 90 days money back returns too, so you can order with no worries. Head over to psychologygear.co.uk now. If you've listened to the podcast over the last few years, you've probably heard me talk about Wheel One Composites and for good reason. They're making awesome products and doing great things in the mountain bike world. I've been using their carbon wheels for years now and continue to be really impressed. I've got a Faction 29er up front and a Union 275 on the back. The ride feel is second to none. The quality and care that goes into making each and every wheel is incredible and they've always stayed tight and true without me even needing to show them a spoke key. If you're looking for a set of carbon wheels from a brand who really care about making the best products they can and looking after their customers from day one, then We Are One are the ones for you. What's more, as a downtime listener, you can get 15% off any wheel sets built with Onyx Vespa hubs and all rim-only products until the 31st of July by using the code VESPA15 at the checkout over on WeR1Composites.com. That's V-E-S-P-E-R-1-5, all uppercase over at WeR1Composites.com. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Also, you can get in touch and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at downtimepodcast. This episode is also supported by Cushcore, and today I'm joined by one of their sponsored riders, Richie Rood, alongside his mechanic, Sean Hughes. Cushcore is the choice of a huge amount of the top EWS and downhill racers for good reason, as it enables them to go bigger, corner harder, and ride faster with total confidence. Cushcore can do the same for you, and you can check out their entire range over at Cushcore.com. Richie Rood and Sean Hughes are a rider mechanic pairing that have seen huge amounts of success, So getting the chance to chat to them together and delve into that relationship was really interesting to me. We sat down just ahead of the first EWS of the year, which, by the way, Richie won, and we chat about how they met, the transition from downhill to enduro racing, and we get into how their relationship works. We hear about the psychological side of supporting each other, why Sean rides practice, how key Jared Graves has been to both of them, and plenty more. So without further ado, here's Richie Rude and Sean Hughes. (laughs) Sean and Richie, welcome to the downtime podcast. First time for me sitting with you guys and chatting. Uh, How's things, Sean? We'll start with you. You all right?
1: Yeah, we're good. A um, couple of interesting weeks leading up to getting to Scotland, but we we got there.
0: Yeah, you mentioned you uh, you got COVID. I did just in the nick of time, in a way.
1: I was literally um, racing to get a negative test. Like that's all that was stopping me from getting here. I had to actually send my mechanic out, my other mechanic, Mark. He's looking after the EP race team. Um, Had to send him out to do my job, which was to fly to Vienna, (laughs) pick the van up, drive all the way up here. No way. um, Because I couldn't fly at that point. Yeah. Well, myself and my other mechanic, Alex, were both really sick. And, yeah, luckily we were were all at the same race in um, Ironton in Missouri in in America and half the team came down with it. Like, luckily Richie and Casper – snuck out of of there and didn't get it but I wouldn't say there was many other people in that town that didn't get it that weekend and we were were struggling like we were sort of running on the limit to get here but I got here I've gone for a ride and I'm not (laughs) not struggling with that so I think even though it was like the sickest I feel like I've ever been I think I've got away with getting like over it really quickly Um, because I've heard that it's been a struggle for a lot of people but We got here. Good stuff.
0: How about you, Richard? You managed to escape that one by the sounds of it. Yeah, somehow escaped that. Uh,
2: Pretty happy about that. And um, yeah, it's just been super exciting. Just trying to, you know, hold back the nerves until (laughs) we got to Scotland, really. I feel like it's been a a long off season since the last time we were here, since this was our last race last year. But uh, yeah, I'm
0: ready to get the week going, really. Good stuff. Well, yeah, we're here to kind of talk about you guys and how you work together. First of how long have you been working together? It's been quite a while, right? Yeah. I joined the team in two thousand eleven. So that's when I first
1: met Sean. And I've been in the team since uh pretty much 09 world champs. Yeah. So that was my first race with the team. Um and yeah, we, we met at Port Angeles. Port Angeles, yeah. yeah. For the
0: that race that's always there, the demo yeah. race. And you were fifteen. 16? I think it was 16, yeah.
1: 16, probably.
0: So you've been on, uh, were you on that specialised kind of setup before the Yeti move? Or?
2: Yeah, so I was on that with uh, Kurt Voorhees in 2010 and then on 2011, yeah, I was on the Yeti program for the first time. Nice. Yeah.
1: Do you remember that first meet well? <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> I remember hearing about this kid that was just putting down heaters in race runs and he was a bit of a monster on a bike and... Didn't know anything about him apart from he had this cool name. And yeah, I think Dave Ziegman, now sort of in-house R&D guy, knew about Richie a little bit. And, yeah, we met in Port Angeles and the first thing I know of Richie, he didn't want to talk to me much at first. didn't want to talk to anyone at much first. But yeah, Sean thought I was mad. Yeah. <laughs> first thing Richie does, we all had, um, I brought the boys downhill bikes and at that point it was like you have a downhill bike and you have a training bike Uh and so we had these brand new yeti asr fives which was the new enduro bike at the time which before enduro and these fancy dt swiss wheels and there was a little kind of corners track right where we pitted and within seconds this kid had blown a wheel apart (laughs) it was hilarious we're just like richie just rides up there and you know we're running Tires that were cross country tires and tubes and next second and pretty much cross country wheels, I guess. And yeah, these wheels just came back and like, well, this will be fun.
0: So. <laughs> you made an impression straight away, there, yeah, Richie. Sure. Eh?
1: Yeah, but that was that was good. And Richie went on to, I think you were the fastest in the team that race. Yeah, you? I don't remember what place I got, but I was on the podium that weekend. Yeah, came. and we had oh man, there were so many runs. We had Jared, we had Elliot, Tyler, Tyler was Shaun and.
0: Sean O'Connor
1: oh, he oh, No, he was not. Oh, no, he was there. Sean O'Connor was there. I think so, there, yeah. yeah. We had a bunch of decent named riders and they all just got smoked by Richie who they hadn't <laughs> even heard of him before. But I don't know. It was something about the kid that left a pretty lasting impression on all of us that weekend. And I guess it's it's carried on quite a while now, so.
0: Yeah, good stuff. That's and it okay. was it was downhill in the early days for
2: you guys, right? Yeah, Absolutely. it was. So we raced downhill from – well, I did from – on Yeti from 2011 – and then I finished in 2013 and um, we swallowed full-time to enduro.
0: Yeah. And at that age, did you have much of an expectation for a, like a mechanic? Did, had you worked with a mechanic previously with a specialized setup? Like what, what did you come in wanting?
2: No, like I just had, um, when we were at the races with the team, if we were, like I would have somebody help me, but I never actually had a mechanic. Uh-huh. Like kind of following me around at the races. So that was, I didn't know what to expect. And then. So like working through that year and having someone work on your bike at the the races and then eventually like the World Cups was obviously pretty nice because me and my dad always did it before that. So it's good to just not to worry about it and, you know, always have your bike dialed in.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And downhills, I mean, a very different beast to Enduro. High pressure, kind of one run and a lot of, I guess, contact time between the rider and the mechanic, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you do a run, you come back, talk about the bike. Yep. You might have broken something. It must be quite a high-stress thing for mechanics. Yeah, it can be.
1: Um, it all depends on really, yeah, like you've got to get along with your rider um, and also how many riders you have and the equipment you're using and how prepared you are as a mechanic and all those sort of things. It. But there was definitely times where I'm just like, oh, I've got a lot to do and <laughs> not much time to do it. I mean, that's still still current with today's standards with Enduro. But, yeah, it's... There was a few times that Richie definitely pushed my patience with, (laughs) let's see how many times I can break this same thing on this same rock. I'm like, okay. I think it was one day we just ran out of chain guides with Richie and Elliot Jackson just smashing the same rock at and just multiple times. I'm like, okay, well, then we're making this work again. But, yeah, there's been a few points where I'm just like, hmm, I guess we'll get out of this some way, but... I can be I can get stressed, but I try and be as level headed as I can with everything. Um but yeah, with the with the downhill stuff, there was definitely times you just for me, race runs were just so stressful because yeah. I'm at the top and once they leave there's nothing I can do. And even when we get up there just for warming up, this kid still manages to try and break his bike half the time. <laughs> yeah, I think my first World Cup in uh,
2: South Africa I tipped over just doing corners on the road and like scratched up my grip
1: and twisting my handlebars. Yeah. It's, there's been a lot of funny moments that you just look back on and you're like, what were you doing? But it's definitely Richie things, which is the funniest part of it. It's yeah. Just like he can do stuff. You don't know how it happens, but it happens. So it's been pretty funny though. But yeah, there's a few stressful moments at the top when you just like, see you, buddy. Good luck. And you get, you know, you're down, you're coming down in the, the chairlift, or from South Africa, you're coming down in some <laughs> truck that you had to wait six hours for, or whatever, and you don't know what happened unless someone tells you. Yeah. And then, like for instance, World Champs when Richie was in South Africa for World Champs, and I had no idea. I had no idea what was happening. Um, and we're going like we literally. I had to go up the top twice that day. I was up top for Richie, and I still had to get down and get back up for Jared because I was the only wrench on the team. Uh-huh. Um, and we're going down the hill and I'm like stressing, I'm sweating. I'm like this, <laughs> what happened? No one would tell me. I li- literally got to the bottom and I walked up and I just saw this kid with a big smile on his face. I'm like,
0: oh yes, we did it. Nice. So, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, you got to share that junior world champs together. Yeah, yeah. Was that 2013 in Peter yeah, well, yeah. How was that, man? That must've felt pretty special.
2: Yeah, it was. And it was funny that my dad recently sent me like the little article or like write up we had from Yeti from that race and. Yeah, it was definitely special, and I think going into it, I was, like, so motivated to win that race because I knew, like, all right, second year junior, like, I, I like, I have to win this. Uh-huh. For me, it was great to do that and kind of have those stripes now. Yeah.
0: Were you getting through kit that weekend? Is that a track that you'd break a lot of stuff on? Uh,
1: I don't think so. No. But. It was it was very much a Richie track, though. When you look back at the guys that it was racing against, like, it was racing against Loris as well, but yeah, they definitely. didn't have that power that uh-huh. this kid and that track needed power people like yeah. there was there was nothing super tight and janky that was going to slow him down too much it was just all about yeah, carrying good speed yeah nice
0: that i guess you get to know each other pretty quickly right in that high pressure environment mm. you kind yeah, of you see sure. each other's well you push each other's buttons and you see each other on the edge right
2: yeah yeah and it's good like you know Daniel can be stressful <clears throat> in that sense but like with endero now it's like sometimes we come back to the pits for only 20 minutes and it's like, that's when, like, we kind of have to, you know, kind of know how we're both feeling. And because Sean, you know, sometimes might have to, like, change a tire or do something like that. And, and then, you know, some of that stuff can take a bit longer. You know, he gets the bike kind of cleaned up and ready to go again. So that's kind of the part of Enduro that's, that's quite hard for the mechanics and, and even us. Like, you come to the pits or only short amount of time to get ready and go back out yeah
0: yeah there's not a lot of time to to get things done for sure how did that move to enduro come about then was that driven by you wanting to come across was it driven by yeti or how did that well
2: in 2013 i was doing downhill and jared and sean were um kind of doing are doing both but jared was mainly doing enduro and he's doing quite well at it uh-huh. so at the end of the year um yeah and yeti kind of decided like hey we're gonna kind of push forward with this enduro stuff and he asked me if I wanted to come along and you know at home I mainly rubbed my trail bike anyways so I was like yeah sure why not <laughs> Yeah, pretty- I kind
1: of had that goal of doing general champs so I was kind of happy where I was And yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty important to note too like there was not really any pressure on Richie to do that that was kind of like a do you want to come along because yeah. we were prepared to go deep in both disciplines depending on what literally what Richie wanted to do <laughs> Um, like Jared was pretty set in the enduro stuff and it kind of, I feel like came out like we, when we go to a downhill race, you know, what downhill race is like, you go there, a lot of riders will go there, they'll practice, practice, go to the house, practice, practice, go to the house. There's not much riding going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the main thing I've noticed about Richie is he just loves riding his bike and even at downhill races, he's always out riding his bike or doing something on his bike and enduro was just riding a bike. There's so much more riding time, and that's what I enjoy too. Because on a downhill, downhill mechanic, you barely, I don't. Well, back then, I was not able to ride my bike, I wasn't able to do anything because I was just stuck in the pits, fixing stuff, and then back at the house. But yeah, I think from what I see with the Yeti thing, like you can come with us, we can play Enduros, you can still do downhill. And Richie I guess decided to roll with us in Enduros, and it. Worked out pretty well. Yeah, I fairly guess. well.
0: <laughs> How was that first season then, Richie? Like, it's quite a big change, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely quite,
2: like, eye-opening. Um, I guess especially the first couple of rounds. Like, that winter I stayed with um, Cam Cole in New Zealand. And, um, you know, I was the enduro guy at that point. I was just kind of riding as much as I could and hanging out with him and doing some down races here and there. I think we did one enduro race, but got to the first race in Chile and, like, Still then they're doing like quite big pedal days and everything. Yeah. So it we went like straight into like a huge weekend of like, it felt like like four to six hour days, like that four days massive. in a row, massive. Like we were like hiking 40 minutes in like soft sand and everything. And I was just, it was so much for me, but it was definitely quite fun. And it was a, it was a huge experience just because we were down there in, in Chile, like four hours from uh, Santiago. So it was like, it's just so fun to be there even though, like, the race was so hard. (laughs) But I think I finished somewhere around, like, 30th or something Uh the first first time, and then I think we then went to... We were in Scotland. I think we were here Mm. in Peebles, and that race was kind of get. I was getting more of a hang of it. Like, I think I got uh, top 10 on one of the stages, and I was definitely kind of getting... Yeah, getting the feel of it and it's
1: becoming more fun. And we're still on the SB 66 then yeah, too. Yeah, we still on 26-inch 20 wheels. 26-inch wheels, the first generation of the SB bikes. Yeah, which I think was at the time people were just
2: getting on 650. So hmm. we we're a bit, a little bit behind. But that's also when I realized that 780 bars are not for enduro. <laughs> <laughs> like I went straight down the 740s 40s here, that weekend. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think during that summer, me and Jared spent a lot of time in Colorado together, just doing laps around some of the local parks there in there in or like keystone kind of like two hours from from denver so that was really great and just fun to be with him learn a lot of things from him and i think that we that whole season kind of picked up as i went along
0: you were getting the buzz for it clearly yeah
2: definitely was it just oh yeah it was just so good like those those years and i think it was one or two years like me sean and jared spent i was like a week or two yeah in like Keystone or something and we were all just having a good time riding every day and really love that.
0: Nice yeah you both mentioned Jared he's obviously been quite an influence on both of your careers I guess over the time you've you've had him on the team for a long chunk. Richie maybe start with you are there certain things that you feel you've you've picked up from Jared like certain things you've learned and that you've taken into your own racing?
2: Yeah I think I think definitely like when you hang out with him and you know, he was always so so race focused that, and when we're riding together, like, obviously he talks about training and all that kind of stuff, and I was just you know listening and kind of just take it in. And I think, yeah, a lot with my racing, I probably look, you know, I always looked at him as kind of like some, always looking up to him, and yeah, and then obviously just riding with him, I just learned a lot of stuff and just kind of race
0: technique and, and all that. Yeah, like pacing kind of stuff, or
2: yeah, what? like even um, I guess one th- like one of the races where I, I guess I remember the most of like learning a bunch of stuff was was Whistler and like top of the world kind of thing. Yeah, and as you can tell, like
0: me and Jared were pretty dominant at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, how do you approach a stage like that? Because that's what like twenty plus minutes of full on yeah. downer. <clears throat>
2: yeah, I think any long stage, like it's it's all about pacing and just finding a good flow for you of what works and just planning out, you know, if there's climbs, like there's, I think, one climb and another pedal on that stage. So you have to kind of like plan out your efforts there and, yeah. and just kind of knowing the park enough to flow and not waste too much energy, really.
0: Crazy stuff. Sure. what about you? Have you, have you the particular things you've taken away from the time you spent with Jared over the years?
1: Uh, yeah, a lot. Um, Jared was the first rider I worked with on Yeti. Um, I was actually lucky enough to be there for his world champs winning four-cross race Mm -hmm. that was my first race with yeti so we got off on a pretty good foot there nice um but with with him like i've learned so much about the finer details of setup on bikes and everything and how particular people are um and he's he's taught me how he wants stuff done and makes so much more sense than just certain things that i've i'd done previously Uh um and i've carried that through my career like it you you can always learn something as a mechanic from anyone like even if it's just simple as how i want my handlebars to be straight yeah because everyone's perception of straight could be different but learning how he wanted it straight it makes sense and I've carried that on through however many years i've been with yeti yeah um and yeah just seeing his work ethic and seeing his work ethic brush off onto Richie um it's been pretty impressive really like it's i guess there's not i don't know how many mechanics are stuck with teams for so long but I haven't Needed to go anywhere else, haven't wanted to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I guess I've just picked up everyone's like good habits across the, de- the years, some yeah. bad habits.
0: Yeah, I guess it is rare, right? There's JC and Sam yeah. that yeah. have been together a long time, but, but there they, they, many. Have,
1: they have split up in there as well. Uh-huh. There okay. was, JC was working for Specialized when Sam was off on Nuke Proof for a year or two, and then they True. obviously need to go back. Um, I could only think of like someone like Mark Morrison, but even then he's been through a few different teams Then back to GT, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was on Honda and then GT, and then I guess. He's been with GT for a long time, but, yeah. Um, but I, like, I looked up to all those guys too. Like, all the, all the other mechanics out there, there's guys that were working in there before I've been doing it. And I was like, wow, these guys are cool! Like, that's the stuff I want to do because yeah, I can't ride as fast as people, so I might as well fix something. <laughs> but yeah, just going back to the Jared thing, like, having a core group like this entire time, like, with Jared Graves, have got Damien Smith, my team manager, and then being with Richie for so long, like, I feel like it's hard to beat that group mm-hmm. when you are having that kind of group when you're trying to go as fast as these guys are and trying to be as like has, has such good quality work and try and run the team as well as what Damien's done. Like it's hard to get that unless you stick together. Yeah, so yeah. I find that's important. Having Jared, like those years that Jared did decide to go and test some different pastures, Um <laughs> you know, he gave me the option. He asked, um, but... You know, there's certain teams that I didn't necessarily want to work for. It wasn't that I didn't want to work for those guys, but I just didn't feel it was right for me to leave. I saw so much going on with what Richie had going on. um, And unfortunately, I didn't – unfortunately for Jared, he didn't get the support that he may have needed Uh at that time. But – You know, he still had some good results with specialised guys Um, and we became good friends with their team. Like once, you know, everything was settled and there's, you know, his mechanics and his team, we actually all ended up like hanging out together. So it's a kind of sort of thing like Jared never really left Yeti either. So he's always sort of been (laughs) part of the team and, yeah, so that's why I think... Just having him carry on back into the team too has been such a massive sort of booster for everyone as well. Nice. Um, not that we've had any bad years without him, but it's have fun to have him around yeah, as well. it's so. good to
0: see him back on the crew for sure. Yeah, and
1: uh, even though might, last year might not have been the best for results, um, it was still really good having him around and then this year having him back on his well, team staff. Yeah. I'm just excited to make him go and wash bikes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Turn the tables. Yeah. Go and get wet, boy. (laughs) Awesome. So did you guys do much like off-season prep before that first EWS season, Richie? Did you have much time together to get set up? Or
1: Were you in Australia that one? The first year? Hmm.
0: No, but um, yeah, so I was pretty...
2: Actually, yeah, I was pretty separate from them. But then, um, I mean, we got together in Santa Cruz I believe with Jordy or yep. the Fox guys we did spend a little bit of time for around. maybe a week or so and then we mm-hmm. went down but yeah. um, the year after two years after um, I spent my winter with Jared okay so I was at least with him and then uh, we we're pretty close to Sean
1: yeah, I live an hour away from Jared
0: oh nice no, okay yeah. So, did you find that a real help coming into your second season, then, to be able to spend more time with Jared and Sean, like getting ready? Yeah, definitely. Because I mean,
2: coming into the first and third season, I didn't really know how to train myself or like what, uh-huh. you know, how much it really took to, you know, how much riding and whatever to like get get ready for it. So, like being down there with him and training with him and just following, kind of following along, like all of his training and riding was was really great for me to kind of see what it what it took
0: sweet and how's that like the process of you guys working together how has that evolved over the years like from that first season to now are there things you do together a lot more like how do you get ready how um, stuff changed we've
1: still got this weird dynamic where i don't come over that often i'm uh-huh. here for the season i'm here for on and off um there's certain times that i'd like to be here um earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was good this year, for instance, I was able to come over and start with like pre-race in Ironton and stuff like that. Um, even though with with COVID obviously that's made it a little harder. Um last year I couldn't travel home. So I was stuck away from home for five months. But I would like to be around earlier in the season. Um but sometimes like if we go to Colorado it's quite snowy and it's hard to or get motivated to go out and practice all the resorts are closed too. you can't yeah. just go up and ride bikes in Keystone or winter park or something like that, so we'd need to go a little bit somewhere a little bit warmer um but you know I also have a full time job in Australia and a you know long time partner and Kylie and I've got a house and two dogs so it's it's hard to leave them, but yeah. I know that um getting ready with this guy's a priority is a priority um I'd like to be out earlier sometimes. It's just hard to coordinate that. But we were able, able to a bit this year, which was good. Um, and it is important. And just, it's just hard. He's got his own life. I've got my own life. And we've got to yeah. still run that. So
0: And you're a long way away from each other. Yeah, So yeah. you've done some work this season then.
1: Yeah, I think it was fortunate those few years because we started
2: um, down there in Rotorua or something. Yeah. So we could hang yeah. out for like at least
1: a few weeks before. The, we have had a few team camps in Jared's house.
2: Yeah. Nice. But yeah, it was good to get set up in Ironton and just kind of, you know, work out the little bugs that we have, like just getting new parts and stuff. So that that was pretty great just to see each other again and get the bikes working. I mean, we've been on sim- or similar platform for the past few years, so uh-huh. it's like, it doesn't take too much to get everything working
0: for how,
1: I guess, how we like it for the year too, which is, yeah. which is pretty good.
0: Cool. And Sean, do you ride practice with the team?
1: Uh, I do try to. Yes. Um, I, there was a year I really, I was there all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, it just seemed to work out. I think we, I can't remember. I've I've been sort of, I've had mechanics to help me out over the years, but I've never really had, it's like a full-time dedicated second mechanic. So, um, I kind of got to make sure that I've got, you know, while they're at practicing, I've got to have wheels done. I've got to have preps done. I've got to have like other bikes done, but, um, when I get time to, I definitely want to practice with them. I think it's important to be out there um to well if nothing else help. Like if they yeah. get a flat, it's worked really well in the past. So the, my bike is apart from being a different size, it's set up very similar to Richie's bike. Uh-huh. Um so if he gets flat, I just chuck my wheel on. Yeah. If he breaks a handlebar for some reason, I just tuck my bars on. Like it's sort of I can get out I can get out and get back to the pits, no problem. Nice. But they've only got one shot and one time frame to do a run. So um, I would like to make sure that we're out on practice with him at some point. And we're sending Jared out, obviously, this mm-hmm. year as performance-type coach. So that'll be good as well. Um, and also just it's fun to ride with them. Like <laughs> sometimes the tracks are terrifying. <laughs> I don't ride everything. I don't try to uh-huh. ride everything. I've got to make sure I don't hurt myself because yeah. I've got to get back at the end of the day. But it's also fun to be out there and see how fast these guys go. Um, but it's also good so that when we come back to the pits, Richie's like, bike feels like it's doing something weird in this section. I know that section. I know what it looks like and I can either fix it up myself, help it out, or I can direct them to Fox and talk to Fox about it while these guys are chilling out so they yeah. don't have to spend a lot of time away from recovery and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Do you tend to make much change, Richie, through the, like the practice day?
2: Um, I try not to do too much, but usually I just want my bike to kind of feel like a certain way. Cause it's always hard to set up a bike for, you know, you have, whatever five six stages so like i just always try to get like a general good feeling for my <laughs> bike and usually i'll just be like maybe playing with bar height or just like little changes to suspension but usually not anything that drastic yeah. i don't
0: think how would you describe that good feeling like what what does a, a bike that's working well under you feel like in your words or in your head like mm.
1: <laughs> balanced and controlled to him
2: yeah i guess i like a bit of a balanced bike and just kind of I guess, kind of how I want to my, like my writing position, I guess, like have it work for me. Just,
0: uh-huh. mm. hard, yeah, hard to articulate, right? Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. That's kind of another thing. It's weird that he can say uh, something feels wrong, and I kind of know what he feels. Uh-huh. It's hard to say what it is, though. Yeah. It's like, eh, let's try this, or let's try this. And even if it's like you said, something's a bar height. It's not always suspension. It's not always tire pressure. It's not always this. It could be something just nice and simple. Yeah. Um, I I guess I like my bike to feel pretty predictable. Okay. And like have enough feedback to
0: me, but not like too much. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So do you find that like Sean kind of is almost inside your head? Like he knows when you start talking about something on the bike, he's already kind of one step ahead or like how's that relationship together? work do you know what i mean like yeah you, you've been together so long
2: yeah and i feel like he has a decent idea of you know suspension and bike setup to begin with so it's like i can say certain things and he's gonna like scent or like kind of have an idea of like how, i guess how to get around it or how to
1: fix that
0: yeah is that your your work back home sean do you work in suspension kind of center
1: My lads drop names yeah. yeah,
0: I work for a shop in
1: uh, Brisbane, Australia called Cyclinic Suspension and we okay. And we're, we are very um, sort of have a lot. We, we're probably one of the biggest Fox service centres in Australia. I definitely sell the most stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we service Fox, RockShox, Cannondale, Push, Mazzocchi. There's probably more in there, but I've forgotten. Um, and yeah, fortunate enough, I've got a boss back home who has me on full time when I'm home and allows me to... Disappear for months yeah. at a time. But, yeah, I am um, I was in bike shops for the first couple of years doing this and then uh, it's hard because I was sort of customer-facing and I it was hard for them to lose staff members for a certain amount of time, yeah. so it didn't really work out. But, um, yeah, suspension service, that's what I love doing now. Um, and while I'm home as well, I have a little fully equipped workshop in my house that I can happily do anything on a bike at the moment. Um and it's been helpful working with Jared as well with a few like R and D projects with Yeti. Mm -hmm. They send it to us. We play with it. I can tune suspension if I have to. I can change shim stacks if I have to and just you know, he breaks stuff, I fix stuff. Might take a day (laughs) or two because of the hour turnaround. But yeah, Yeah. it's fine. We but yeah, I'm lucky enough to have that boss in in Aiden at Cycle to let me do it. But yeah. It gives me it's actually been really good because the understanding of the inner workings of suspension um, it allows me to kind of talk to Geordie and Pascal and the boys over at Fox, not like doesn't do something like I can sort of <laughs> tell them what it's doing or what I, what maybe even suggest something like they might not listen to me at the end of the day, but at least they know I'm not just a dumb dumb with no idea. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I've actually done a few races with Fox service in the past just because I think Geordie broke himself off pretty bad one year and it was world champs in Cairns and, got the call from the big boss like hey uh, can you get up to cans for a couple of days so done a little bit of work with fox international stuff which has been fun yeah um but yeah i i know enough about suspension i wouldn't say i know everything uh-huh. but i don't know everything about anything so no no and, one does and, right yeah. but that's
0: good for you eh, richie having someone who knows the suspension yeah. inside out it must must help you get to where you want to be
2: no no it is and then Yeah, and then I can, I guess, obviously talk to Sean about what I'm feeling and he can sometimes give me an answer. Yeah, obviously like relay relay that to Jordy or even kind of if I'm feeling something, he can talk to some of the people at Yeti and kind of get me something that I'm happy with.
1: We're also lucky enough to have an in-house suspension engineer. I guess he's R&D in suspension and Yeti, that he's the guy who sets all our tunes so he can help. Um, suggest something. He can help dial in something. If I'm not there, even when I'm there, he's just like, "Do you want to try this?" I'm like, "Yeah, no worries." So, we've got a, a little bit of a heads up with that sort of stuff, and we sort of know what he plays a lot of things. So we know new things that are coming out that we couldn't try. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty helpful having. I just, I guess, just the the base of a lot of support that can bounce to me, can bounce to Richie, yeah. um, and he's really good at feedback on stuff too. Like sometimes you'll ask him what's wrong. He's like, I don't know, but you get it. You'll finally get
0: it out of him eventually. So (laughs) good stuff. And you guys have been in the, the privileged position, I guess, of, of fighting for championships, fighting for overalls, uh, on more than one occasion. I'm guessing the pressure increases throughout the season, right? The closer we get to the end as that race for the overall progresses, that, that pressure's there do you guys change anything in those instances? Like in how you set up, in what you carry and how you work together? Um, I always feel
2: like we keep it pretty, pretty similar, at least like yeah. how we, how we work together. I mean, I think up until the last race, we try to keep everything pretty normal and just want, like, I guess my m- mindset is, is, like, you got to take every race as of its own and kind of do your, you do your best towards it. But obviously in the back of my head, I know that there's, you know, a championship on the line and, um, I think it was pretty funny actually like the with Jared cuz it went Jared in 14, me 15, me 16 and like we had we were in finale those all those 3 years and I think every year we were running like double down tires the first few times yeah. so then we were like we found some downhill tires we could run and like I remember them feeling like so slow <laughs> you know now we run them all the time of course but um at least for me I think in um in 15 I had a derailleur and a chain like all the yeah. spares I could ever need in my backpack. So <laughs> we were definitely pretty we, extreme with that. We took those that races
1: pretty funny. Like when Jared was going for the championship, Richie went out and was pack horsing. I was calling okay. it like, yeah. I think, I don't even know if, we, I think we had a derailleur chain cassette, not a cassette cable. I think at one point I even had a uh, rotor in there. Like we oh, were yeah. just cause finales are such a massive day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you look back and you see that we're running like Jared used to win in Winter Park on EXO tires. Yeah. Like really thin casing, cot tires that were yeah. just like, now wouldn't last five minutes with these guys. <laughs> I just, the, yeah.
2: But I things mean, things come along. So.
1: Yeah. I think, I think from those seasons, I guess Sean and we
2: learned that, like, for us, a more durable bike is the best thing for
1: us. Mm-hmm. So, like, from those seasons, yeah, we learned that. And, and consistency too. Yeah. Like, Richie was sort of saying, you know, we, he's pretty good with this is how I want my bike to feel. Yeah. It doesn't change week to week. Um. There's a few things we do. There's a few little things we try. Um. And there's time to do that as well between some races. But for racing, it's such a massive thing to be consistent. Um. And that's where I like with Richie is he knows what he wants and he tells me what he wants and we can keep it going like that. So works really well with that.
0: Yeah, you run DH case in front and rear now. Then yeah, and Kushko
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Whether he likes it or not, unfortunately. <laughs> so okay, so we were <laughs> funny with the Cushcore thing. I think Jared and Richie were, well, especially Jared, was the first one of the first guys to get on that. I don't okay. know where it came from, but I know that Jared was talking with the guys at Kushko. Then I got involved with it and made sure that we got in Richies and. It was just
2: yeah, I think. And the first first time I tried it, I was at Jared's house. Yeah, so I think it must have been uh, like winters. Yeah, 15, 16 or something. I think it's
1: Adam. Adam and the guys at kushkor have been really helpful along the entire process. Like I think we 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 were on oh, them before they even released. Okay, um, and it
2: might have been the year after.
1: Sorry. Yeah, and it just been really. Uh, I uh, Richie just sometimes were like, oh, can we try it without? I'm like, okay. To, Finish, to race to finish this race to win this race you have to finish this race yeah and i know there's a lot of companies like or a lot of teams like oh you don't need that stuff you don't need that stuff but i've been there and i've seen the damage that people do to wheels and even with protection wheels still get damaged like don't get mm-hmm. me wrong it's not like it doesn't make your bike invincible but even just for the simple fact that with a flat tire you can ride and you can still race. Yeah. You can still fix it at the end. Um, like the, the damage on rims are minimal, but the we use Cushcore as a protection thing as well mm-hmm. as a feel thing. So yeah. um and like I use it on my bikes and I I've in I take it off and I'll destroy a wheel. I'm like I don't even try. It's just you just get used to it being in there. Um and it works really well for me and I know it works really well for him and yeah. You know, there is sometimes a bit of a like. Oh, do we want to try the lighter one to keep the weight down a little bit? And yeah, we can do that. Uh-huh. But I always want it in the wheels, especially yeah. for Richie. So. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And the important, the important thing for me too is like, alongside the protection and like all that stuff, it's just like, yeah, knowing that like a flat tire won't necessarily ruin your race. Now, as it, it might have lost like before it, and yeah,
0: yeah, you can roll down. Yeah, yeah you can roll down, and for it still the, feels pretty for the good. Most part, yeah, yeah,
1: and even then, if you roll down you can still put a tube in. You yeah. can still get away with it. Sometimes you can. I can repair the rim and you can go again if you, if you can get to the pits. But previously, if you flat on a midway down a track, it's a rocky track, by the time you get to the bottom, that tyre is cooked. You're never going to be able to get, uh, the tyre and rim going to be cooked. You're never going to be able to get a tube in there yeah. and your race is done. And that's the crazy thing about enduro is that you need to get to the bottom first. And mm-hmm. For sure. Richie has become one of those guys that has been, Pretty good at keeping their wheels in good shape. Like this kid can you tell him to go and break a wheel, break a wheel. <laughs> and I've watched him like big smile on his face, just like, this is happening. Oh uh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> we've tested carbon wheels, we've tested everything, and there's sometimes they don't even make it out of the car park. It's just pretty, pretty impressive how hard Richie can be on something if he wants uh-huh. to, but learning the art of enduro has been a pretty spectacular thing to watch. Like going from the downhill kid that you have to make one run work and the wheels are like perfect at the top, destroyed at the bottom. And we didn't have go for downhill. Yeah, but That's one thing to note is that that's only come on in the last like four or five years.
2: Yeah, I definitely um,
1: remember times,
2: especially in South Africa, like we were, Jared was all about running the, I think like XF tires or something, like lighter casing. And I remember like, I just went straight back to down because I'd hit this one section. I'd feel like my front tire, like, crabbed just a little bit, and Mm. it was not what I wanted. And, like, now, like, with the cush core, if I had the cush core, I could probably run those tires because I don't have that. Now I could have that stability and whatnot, and
0: that's what's great. Now I can run lower tire pressure and not have that kind of unstable feeling, which is always great. Do you run a lower tire pressure then, compared to sort of other people maybe that don't use an insert?
1: It's been, um, it's been coming down.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I have definitely been
2: going down a bit, but I'd imagine I'm still probably.
1: You're still on the edge. high high yeah. side of tire pressures. But where, where are you at
0: roughly for something like Tweed Valley? Tweed Valley is interesting as well because you can
2: you can go down. I think quite a bit. Yeah, it's not that. So rough. I'm like around twenty six, twenty
0: seven. I guess. Okay, rear, mm. like front and rear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Mm. What about spoke tension? Do you guys play around with that at all? I mean,
2: I've never really talked about it too much to Sean. But I, do. I feel like he I do when I think he, he does it something. behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> I just leave leave the trust in him. There's
1: well there's certain certain tracks and like a rockier track or less spoke tension that's gonna be let the wheel move, yeah. articulate, do everything. Um but yeah, it's that's sort of something I just Richie's never really asked for, played with, but I know I can play around with it. He doesn't need to know, uh-huh. but he'll feel it. Like, yeah. I know there's times <laughs> that he'll feel it. Um, but yeah, it, if he ever asks me for low spoke tension, I'll give him low spoke tension. It's not, he's not going cast below, though. That is, mm. that is, whew, that is just about loose spokes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I feel like, too, with Enduro, I think probably when it's wet, wet versus dry and yeah. the different courses, but you ride so many different tracks over a weekend that, you could have low spoke tension for one racetrack. Yeah. But then the next one might be totally different. So it's like, mm. it's hard to be like, oh, if you're in a down run you want one feeling, then that's good. But for us, I feel like you need a more variety of.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're never going to have the optimum when yeah. you've got to cover like six or seven tracks, I guess. Yeah.
1: I also encourage anyone who wants to try spoke tension to um, work out how hard they can corner a bike first and go from there. Cause if you watch him corner sometimes it's, a little aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and low spoke tension just it's it's funny watching slow motion and watching spokes and things and like bikes twist and bend and pop and crack and yeah. well, not crack pop back into shape and stuff like that. You can see low spoke tension wheels, like the the wheels completely different sort of plane to the bike, the way it's going and stuff, but yeah. We, we we play with it. He asked me sometimes and I do it. Mm-hmm. It's not it's still I prefer him on the, the higher end of things um, just for longevity as
0: well. Yeah, so, that's yeah. fair. And are there certain things you're really fussy about on the bike, Richie? Like is there like a princess in the pea kind of thing if certain things just a bit off, you're going to notice it or are you pretty chill? I
2: feel like with like handlebar and brake setup, I kind of like it to feel a certain way, especially with, with kind of the brake feel. But um, fortunately, Sean's really good at bleeding brakes, so. I don't really have to, you know, bother
1: about it yeah. about it too much. Once again, that's a consistency thing.
0: Okay, yeah, you
1: try and make sure that brake feels the same from the start to the end. Like, even if it means a little little brake lever bleed between runs or something, I can generally tell how it feels. Yeah. Um, like Richie is one of those riders who runs. I feel like you run your levers, levers, levers close to the bar than most mm. people because I, I get on it and like, whoa, this thing's tight, but. Yeah, I have to like advance pistons to make the brake feel tighter and stuff uh-huh. like that. But it, I know how he wants it to feel. Um, I've got a pretty good idea in that. And yeah, if you keep that brake lever feel consistent, then he doesn't have any issues with it. Yeah. But yeah, there's been, you know, you can tell when he's on them because everything turns blue or black and <laughs> it starts looking kind of funny.
0: How, how do you decide like when to change the consumable parts then, like tires, pads, rotors, that kind of stuff? Like
1: tires is a pretty obvious one. Um, Pads and rotors, uh, you can kind of start to feel it. It's hard to explain but certain like pads and rotors can sort of go off um, but I generally try and have him on a, a newish set of pads and rotors. Like I've got stuff that rotates. I don't always mm-hmm. have him on the same stuff. I don't want to have him on too much brand new stuff all the time because it takes a little time to bed in pads and rotors. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say, I mean, for stuff like chains, cassettes and chain rings, people are going to hate this but I don't. Run him on the same stuff for racing. I, okay. don't, I don't want him to be reusing a chain or yeah. anything like that. Like a cassette, um, Rishi runs XT cassette now, it's a bit stronger in terms of the teeth and everything mm-hmm. than what we're using with the XTR <laughs> stuff. But the power that he puts through, he needs a stronger cassette, stronger chain. Yeah. Um, but I can get away generally with chain rings should be finalists taking a hit. Cassette now will usually be fine, but chains I'm swapping quite regularly. Yeah. And it's just, it's got nothing to do with how worn they feel. I never check for wear or anything. I just, don't want him to have an issue with a chain
0: yeah um so every race is a fresh chain
1: absolutely yeah yeah um and Ludenville last year like came down he'd smacked the the pants off his chain guide and um we lost a chain and it was like me just going what happened like but the chain was still attached it wasn't snapped it wasn't bent like I could probably have put it back on mm-hmm. but it was just one of those unfortunate I think you had tree root or stump or yeah something. I think I smacked a stump to my chain guide and then
2: yeah. I like backpedaled and Almost hit a tree, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then before I knew it, my chain was off. So it yeah. was a bad, you know, series of events. But.
1: Yeah, but yeah, there's no no point. Like you never see a any race team bike. You never see them wearing a chain and cassette out unless yeah. they're strapped for cash. And it's 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 yeah. I said people are gonna be like, oh it's just a waste. But I give the stuff away, or I use it on team bikes, or I make sure someone that needs it will get it. Yeah, I never really just I never chuck anything in the bin. I don't like doing that. So if there's a you know. If Richie's used a chain and that's still in good condition that I feel it's in good condition, it will go to someone else and that's how I want it to be. But, yeah, it's sort of a little bit of a uh, a risk to reuse that sort of stuff. Um, rotors, yeah, they, they start looking dark and I can't clean it off. Uh-huh. Um, and the pads, you can sort of start to tell. Pads, when they start to wear, the brake never feels the same again. Yeah. Like you're just constantly playing around with pistons and pistons get expanded and things start to flex, so that you can feel that in the lever. You had to probably start complaining a lot about my brakes. If you <laughs> yeah. didn't change the rotors yeah. and pads too often. <laughs> well, even just losing that little bit of extra pad width, um, takes the surface area down, which takes the heat dissipation down. And, you know, we run a, a metal brake pad mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't run the, the fins on them at all. It's just, we find that the, the older style Saint metal pads seem to work better for our setup. Yeah. Um, cause we're running brake, Saint brake calipers. Um, and yeah, you know, pads are an expendable thing but, yeah it's
0: fair is there any stuff you kind of ever disagree on in like setup because obviously you're you have a, a really solid understanding of a lot well of all of what the bike's doing of the suspension internals you've got a long background hmm. richie's the guy out there on the track doing it are there ever instances where you're like yeah oh, richie i think maybe you need this and you richie maybe you're not quite so sure like
1: I can't give you an example. I'm sure there are. There's always something. Richie's yeah. snagging
0: like, there must be. Yeah. I mean, there's,
1: I'm <laughs> just, there's always those funny ideas. I'll throw
2: at yeah, him. and see, <laughs> see what he says. I
1: can't, I can't, I cannot put a different rear-round on our bikes, Richie. Stop asking me. <laughs> <laughs> Just, please, there was one point where we were running, I think, the SB5 when it first came out and Jared had just released on the SB6. Um, and Richie has these like, how about we get this be six swing arm, put it in the SP five, and change this and do this, and it's just like <laughs> it's just become a joke since then. I'm just like, how about if we change the link from this one and this, and I'm like, oh, all right, <laughs> let's let's just not do that. Um, there's there's certain things we probably disagree on, but at the end of the day. It's his job to go fastest. If he feels it's going to go fastest, I'll let him try it. Uh-huh. If it goes, if he goes fastest, then what's the harm in trying? As long as it's not dangerous and it's not doing anything silly and it doesn't look stupid, yeah. Because our bikes look rad. Let's face it. We mm-hmm. don't want to make him <laughs> yeah. look dumb. Um, but yeah, there's. I think earlier on there was probably a few things that, I disagree with Jared about more stuff. Honestly, okay. yeah, like tire pressures and running stupid light tires, and
2: yeah. I definitely fought you guys a bit hard on the 180 fork on the old SB6, but
1: I uh, finally got that going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was raked. Raked out. Good um, stuff. And now that's just a regular thing like, hey, can I try 180? I'm like, sure, I'll get in a 180, going. Yeah. That's no problem.
0: Nice. Uh, so with this brain that's uh, constantly coming up with new ideas, Richard, do you get the chance to do much development work with, with Yeti directly on the bikes? Um, I chat to them a bit, but, I mean, I also... We also
2: trust them quite a mm. bit with developing bikes. So
1: yeah. You'd remember Richie's been on the SB platform since it was developed um, and a lot of the ideas on the SB6 to the – or the 66 to the 5 and the 6 yeah. and then the you now the 150s and 130s and stuff like that, that sort of design, geo- geometry, and a lot of those things has come from direct feedback from Richie and Jared. Okay. Um and like the SB5 we had, for instance, uh, five five the twenty er yeah. like that was a good bike, and it won some races. But mm-hmm. there was always something that was just not quite racy enough about it. And it's Richie's direct feedback that developed the SB one hundred and fifty. So oh yeah, like we ran the the outer. Headset casting, yeah. Like we raked out. We we asked Chris King to make us because Chris King would be a long term sponsor for headsets, and they made a external fifty six cup, which uh-huh. they didn't make, and it just allowed us to. Back then, you couldn't run the Fox thirty six at one seventy mil because I haven't okay. got the fork overlap, the, the bushing overlap right. But I needed the front end up higher to make them the bike just a little bit slacker, and so they made us an external cup which brought the front end up 10 mil, which, you know, about a degree slacker. And it made everything just that little bit better. And that was what these guys were after. And then you look at the 150 and the geometry just kind of morphed into that stuff and going ahead, everything that Richie has loved about the 150 and asked about other things is going ahead in future development. So, you know, obviously the SP150 is not going to last forever, but whatever comes out, you'll see it'll be trademarks of what Richie and, you know, even, you know, we got Casper coming through now and Jared's back on the team. Those guys have directly influenced what the bikes do. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we've got to hit a consumer market mm-hmm. as well. And we can't have bikes that only work well for racing. So we find a middle ground. And ev- everyone else has got to, it's really important to know that mm-hmm. the SB150 that Richie, Casper, Bex, everyone's racing on, that's exactly the same frame that you can buy. Yeah. Like I can literally go to a shop and, grab one of those frames off the shelf and put their race parts on it and there's no difference so yeah there's no like crazy witchcraft going on inside (laughs) there it's not like a special layup carbon or anything silly like that it's just a production frame
2: so it it, it's a bit hard i guess with with me because i'm on the east coast and yet he's in colorado but i think um last year the year before we got to spend uh like a week or two just Kind of helping Yeti yet with the mm. with the e bike even oh, nice. C4 came out and that was exciting because got to feel like different um, suspension rates and stuff yeah with the bike and just kind of see what that what that felt like because I haven't done like huge huge amount of testing with bikes so like just being able to test and like feel what stuff mm. actually felt like back to back was yeah was
1: quite fun like with the yeah like Rich saying with the 160e we've got different suspension rate chips on that or you can change the rate how mm-hmm. the suspension so works well for coil shock air shock yeah sort of everything in between but we had richie and jared both testing that stuff um and they had rates crazy low rates crazy high rates and it's kind of what these guys said this feels good that they made that bike work out of that yeah so it works pretty well like that Us, the guys listen to our race team and that's
0: you know yeah, all yeah. race driven Mentality of the team. Nice. Do you think that sort of experience, Richie, of doing that back to back and trying different things like that? Do you think that <coughs> will help you longer term in like your own bike setup and understanding? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think it can open more
2: ideas in your head about kind of how your bike should be set up. Cause I think if you run the same, same setup for so long, you only have that one feeling. But then once maybe you jump on something else, now you can use something to compare it to at least, yeah. and maybe it can help help you with your bike or then or just solidify kind of ideas you had in your head like oh all right this actually works so yeah good to go
0: yeah yeah. all right sure and your, your i guess job title is mechanic but mm-hmm. i'm guessing there's a lot more to it than that it's not just that simple
1: mm-hmm.
0: how how do you feel about the sort of psychological side of the sport like clearly you're you know you're richie's right hand mm-hmm. man at a race you're and for the rest of the riders as well in the races like how do you see your role there when it comes to kind of helping these guys and girls be in the best or sort of mental state mm. when they leave the pit.
1: Yeah, I guess my role is my role is, I guess, team lead mechanic. Cause uh-huh. I'm overseeing some of the e-bike stuff too. Um, and I'm looking after it for EWS stuff. Um, but, I know it's kind of funny Like you think about how would you feel if you're a race team guy and your mechanic was like, Oh my God, I don't know if I did this and just screaming <laughs> out. Like it's very important for a team mechanic to be chill. Like even when they come in, like there's been times that I've been absolutely sweating bullets when they come in between race runs and you can see that and like I'm stressing, but it's kind of hard not to. And I just, you always have to like, okay, just <laughs> move away from the races, try <laughs> and chill. Don't let them see that you're stressed about something on the bike. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty important. Like we, you know, we're friends as well. We're not like, it's not like a business relationship with yeah. us. Like I've known this kid for a long time. I keep calling him kid, he's 26. Just. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got to be pretty chill. And I say, we're really good mates and it's kind of, I know how he's feeling. You can sort of tell when race morning comes along, you know they're going to be nervous. It's mm-hmm. never going to be like, yeah, this is going to be fine. They're going to rip it up. But And then there's some days where he comes in and he's just like, Let's get this done. This is fun. Let's go and ride bikes. <laughs> and you just tell and you can pick up their moods and you try and shift your mood to suit theirs. Uh-huh. But definitely not being stressed around them. Um and as I said Damien, team manager,'s been really good at that too. Like he knows how to get the team going, get yeah. everything sorted out. And hopefully Jared in his role this year as well, he can be helping them out with their pre-game type mm-hmm. mentality as well. And that's why, you know, you saw Jared when you walked in keep him staying with the riders. Yeah. Um, we're a big team. We can't all stay together at the moment. But, yeah, it's good to help them with their their head game. Um, and, yeah, I've known him long enough that we can sort of tell if there's something up. Maybe we'll ask him about it. Maybe <laughs> we won't. <laughs> but it's funny, though. You can always just do a stupid joke and get the smile out of him. So works out well like
0: that. Nice. Do you ever find yourself, Richie, kind of, metering how you approach sean like will you if, if it's a particularly stressful kind of situation are you there trying to make sure sean's okay Like yeah,
1: i have to apologize about last year yeah
0: for
2: sure <laughs> i mean i know like obviously i can read him pretty good and he can read me pretty well and um yeah i think just like if i know he's stressed out i'm not gonna bug him with some small stuff that i want to do to my bike or <laughs> yeah. like something super picky that i could probably just like handle myself here or something. So I just like, you know, hold it back or ask him if he needs help, Mm. which is always good. But I think like going back to, I guess him helping me on race day, it's like, I think, you know, I'm not going to be always so open to how I feel, but he kind of at least knows how I'm going to feel. And we like to keep things light. So that's kind of like a good vibe for both of us. And also like, he's not going to let my bike leave the pits unless it's perfect and up to his standards. That's like one of those things where when I leave the pits, I know I'm on, my bike is completely dialed and I'm totally confident with it. So it's yeah. like one of those things that that's how he kind of, you know, affects me. It's like, we could probably not even talk and I'd just be stoked <laughs> yeah. of what he did for me and everything. We'd be like totally on the same page. Nice. But, but yeah, I, I totally, you know, see how he's doing
1: in the pits and if he's stressed out,
2: you know, ask him how he is and Richie's- just
1: make sure. Always been one to bring me a cup of coffee or something. Just always nice. just knows. Nice. Yeah. It was early on in the piece when we was just he'd just come in and hang out. It was good. It was fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I love love hanging out in the pits for sure. Yeah. It's always a good time <laughs> when he's out there by himself.
0: <laughs> you mentioned something that
1: happened last year, was that Oh uh, Crans Montana uh-huh. was the the release of the e-bike. Yeah. And I had three bike riders and three EWS riders. And whilst we were trying to get the support of Shimano, unfortunately Ray had all of Shimano stuff to do as well. So I s- spent a lot of hours standing in the one spot, just trying to get everything. Like we were yeah. learning e-bike stuff. So we had no idea what things were going to work, how things were going to work out. The bikes are brand new. I had worked on the bikes, um, but, you know, and not in a race situation. So I wasn't sure how they were going to, what was going to get destroyed. Like were they going to be destroying brake levers or brakes or, you know, they were going to be wrecking wheels. Cause it was just an unknown to me. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point that I was just so wrung out with like, while they're we out practicing e-bikes, um, or racing e bikes I was trying to get all the EWS bikes ready as well. And, you know, we had wheels to build, we had frames to rebuild. And it was just like, it was packing on, packing on, packing on. I freaked out at one point. I just had to walk away. I'm like, Nope, I'm out of here for a <laughs> second. Like the work got done. I tried not to make too many mistakes, but yeah. Note to all the uh, team managers out there: don't lump in three e-bikes <laughs> and three regular bikes to one mechanic. But luckily, that was kind of the tipping point of Damien. Especially like, yeah, this is this is too much stuff. Like he helps out as much as he can, and we've got a Swan year on, which meant I was actually eating, which was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get to a point where you just you just start having to cut not cut corners, but cut the level of um, detail down, yeah. and I never want to do that with any bike. It's hard because I can't just let it go. Um, but if you're you you know, you're stressing about so many other things, you might forget something, and I never want that to happen. So last year was a big one. Don't do not do that.
0: But you got through it. We're all good.
1: <laughs> got through that, yeah, we go, did. Go home to Australia, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had to go the- to Mexico for two weeks, so I could no get back way. in the USA. Insane,
0: isn't it? Yeah. hopefully that's all behind us hmm. Rich you've had a, a kind of a few challenges over the last couple of years um, are you open to talk a little bit about that failed drugs test and the impact that that had on you sure yeah yeah but it, so was it how long was the, the kind of ban in the end because it was retrospective right you'd made a decision yeah. to step away from racing in the in, in the beginning of that season how long were you away from the racing for in the end well
2: Honestly, I don't really remember, but um, it affected the 2019 season. So I missed the first three races uh-huh. of that season. So, because they're early season. So it was um, Rotorua, Tasmania, and then Madeira. And then I came back for Canaze. Yeah. So, like, obviously, yeah, total bummer. All that, all that stuff, whatever. Um, and
0: you've got the pink bike forum people to deal with right yeah like, there's of course all that so that goes a lot on. going
2: on in your head and yeah. you know yeah but um i think having time off from racing was uh, honestly like pretty good uh-huh. like i think a lot of people probably went through what i felt with the whole like covid year and everything yeah and so yeah like just coming back to racing was obviously super stressful because i'd missed three races and you know, just wondering how it was gonna kind of be around you, I guess, and um, kind of also just wanting to prove myself again, obviously because people probably look at you a weird way, and then but you just want to be like, hey, like I'm here, <laughs> like I'm gonna kill it. So yeah, it was it was hard, but I think it also gave me like a good a good half a year to kind of just enjoy mountain biking and not be too stressed about racing, I guess. Yeah, which was good, and um, yeah took a few weeks off the bike too which is which is nice and I haven't done that in a while and um yeah it just made me super excited to race in Canada
0: again yeah and
1: yeah it didn't show did it
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing it made you kind of even more hungry for it right because when something that you love and that you enjoy has been taken away even if it's temporary that yeah. must just make you want it harder right
1: yeah definitely it was a weird sort of situation for everyone that one it's kind of like yeah it's hard to say because yeah, we we everyone got sort of roasted on Pink Buck and everything. But
0: <laughs> everyone um, gets roasted for everything on Pink Block. Yeah, Black. I'll, get, I'll get roasted for this.
1: Okay, really <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like it's hard to explain to everyone. Like if you don't like, they see that uh, a dro- uh, like a failed test at that sort of level, and everyone just instantly thinks you're just just smashing roids or
0: something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
1: so hard to explain to people, even like people really close to me. Or just like what the actual situation was, yeah. I had to learn all about it too. Like I had no idea what went on existed, mm-hmm. like, um and like trying to trying to understand it for Richie and trying to work him through it too. Like, yeah, you know, it was weird. It wasn't just a oh this is a bad situation. It was just a weird situation. And even like as a team, like we come back and everyone's sort of looking at us like, well, you guys cheat? We don't like. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, what
0: was the reception like when you came back to racing? Because from the outside looking in, it felt like it was pretty good. Like, yeah, I think it was a mix for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think people who, you know, understand kind of what how simple of a thing it actually was. Yeah, kind of, mm-hmm. or like you know, they were
1: a little more open. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: uh-huh. even like people on the in the racing scene, EWS scene, when we got to Cannesay, that had like a stand-up kind of like. Thing. and I just some people just didn't actually know all the facts yeah yeah yeah. and it was so hard like to explain what was going on when you're just getting like why did you do this And like that's not how it works
0: yeah there's a lot of education I think that came off the back yeah. of it right and I, I think that's really yeah. good yeah that's
1: a, I think that's a massive positive is that everyone's sort of like whoa that was that was too easy for that to happen so, yeah and I know Richie I know I've watched Richie, Jared, I watch everyone in our team and everyone around us, like they'll look at like, let's say I'm picking up a bottle of whatever that is, antioxidant sport, looking at the <laughs> ingredients um, and it's just so simple to slip up like that. And so these guys are really, really on it now. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And, and you came back clearly hungry for it. Like how did it feel taking that win? Like because there's, I can understand you've got that. Drive. You want to come back. You want to show what you can do, but also there's maybe that like thought in your back of head. people think I've done some cheating here, right? And if I come back in and win, that like was there ever any thought around that in your head, or were you just so focused on getting that?
2: I think I was just more focused on on just doing well, and I, I mean, obviously, guess like proving like to myself, like after not racing for three races, that it's like, all right, well, now I got to i gotta make sure i'm you know still quick not having that race experience yeah yeah. so yeah i was just super focused on it and i think i realized how much more of like racing is emotionally for me and um yeah yeah getting through that but i think at that race, it's definitely a lot of pressure on myself to do well mm-hmm. and yeah obviously to win and and keep doing that but um yeah, I
1: lost my train of thought.
2: You were all good. It must, have, it must have felt good, though. Was that the first race in
1: Canazoo? Yeah. So we hadn't even been to that event yet, either. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good place to come back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that place.
0: So, yeah, you came, you came back. You take that win. Things are back on the up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a, a, an awesome battle through last season with Jack. And then that unfortunate situation at the final here <laughs> last year. The mixed flag, like yeah i guess talk us through that from your your perspective if you're into that
2: yeah i mean obviously like the whole, whole flag thing it's just funny like the, the dumb mistakes but um yeah i mean when you look at it again you're like all right that was pretty stupid like obviously it makes sense but it's like when you're racing and you're like looking at lines and stuff and you see lines going where you wanted to go. So you're like, all right, cool. Like looks like it's on, people are doing it. Hmm. So then, you know, like in the race run, you like kind of have it, the idea in your mind of, you know, that whole grassy section. It's super, it was super slick. So like come off, like I'm coming off the bridge and I see these lines going like by the flag and stuff. So I'm like sick. Somebody's like on this, like <laughs> it must be good to go. So I hit it, come down. And I think I was a few seconds off, like a second or so off Jack and stuff. And then, you know, Roe or something's coming over and saying like you cut the course or like cut between the flag and the tape.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm just like instantly like so frustrated, like not knowing what's yeah. going on. Like, you know, like where I think there's a rule in the rule book, but we've never been in this situation with the. The flags. Yeah. The flags that look more decorative than. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah.
0: It's an unusual or unique kind of trail marking or yeah. unusual trail mark.
2: And, you know, it's always, you know, it's nice that for day two, they tightened everything up so you couldn't do that, which would have been nice on the first day. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was definitely a big blow. And, you know, it, I'm glad that somebody else was there with me who also did it. And, mm-hmm. but I think. It also kinda of sucked that they just took us straight out of the race. And I know there was like commissaires there that necessarily didn't know what Enduro actually like really is. So Okay. It's not just like a down race. Like if you didn't down race, I can imagine you like you would just DQ somebody like yeah. You cut the track. But you know, we have we had another twenty minutes of racing and it would have been really fun just to get like a fucking five minute penalty per se or it probably would have been way too much, but like just to
0: race
1: the next day and be up there with the guys would have been would have been yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, season ender knowing that it was Richie was going to podium for the overall. Yeah, you know, yeah. Was like, oh man, like. But free lesson, read the rules. Like that was kind of all of our how bad it's yeah. unfortunate we had a mixture of weird things going on that morning which yeah and prevented us from certain certain communications coming through like i don't have my bad i don't have wi-fi and my uh-huh. team manager was off getting some emergency covid test to edinburgh and he wasn't on his wi-fi and it's uh-huh. just we were just running around like yeah headless chooks and um yeah we didn't get the full communication across to richie and it uh, totally it's, yeah, it's a combination of weird things that made a dumb situation even dumber. So it yeah. doesn't mm. matter.
2: Yeah. It Ooh. just
1: would have been awesome to see. Get a little yeah. more real and pink bike, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to add to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> because
1: you, you definitely would have just cut the course in front of uh, thousands of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing if you thought it was cutting, that's yeah. not the place you're going to cut, right? Because half the spectators were in that field. So it's uh, yeah. not the place for an intentional course cutting So it was, thing. that's where... Yeah, Whatever. It yeah really like it's a shame. For
2: example, <laughs> I think my first EWS win, I was racing in France. I crashed, I went on the tape, and I walked back up to the track and dropped back in for the rest of the run. Yeah. I think the photographer was standing there and like taking photos of me, like running back up the hill and <laughs> dropping back into the track when he could easily just like, you know, just scurried just forward but, back yeah. in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Crazy times. And it's a shame because it, yeah. Not you know only what? harsh for you, but it robbed yeah. us the, as the fans of like yeah. that overall battle. That'll never happen again.
2: No,
1: has that to been, anyone? Has that been changed? Oh, uh, no, no, that's still a, it's still a rule. Okay. Like it's, we've, it's, I've read the rule books. Yeah, yeah. You know, There's detailed line to the flag, and as I said, it's kind of like a, a lesson that everyone should keep rereading that rule yeah. book. And I've reread it already. So, um, but yeah, it's just a lesson. Like I don't think anyone will ever make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Where not just Richie, but obviously there's everyone's going to have it in the back of their head to like, okay, that looks strange. Let's see what this is all about. Yeah. So, oh,
0: um, nice. yeah. But we're back in the Tweed Valley. We've Redemption. Got a whole fresh <laughs> season ahead of yes. us. How you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, obviously we were here for the finals last year and now we're back here and I guess, yeah, I kind of like it here. I mean, um, at home we have, tight trees and stuff not as quiet as I hear (laughs) but I really love trucks where you can gain speed and pump and you know yeah like manufacture your own speed and Mm -hmm. and do all that so yeah always excited by the courses and um yeah after watching last year obviously (laughs) pretty ready to get after it and yeah, get the season started, I guess. Yeah. Did you go out on track and
0: watch some of the stages last year?
2: Yeah, I, I rode around all the stages last year. Yeah. I tried to get to most of them and just follow some, some friends around and see what they were doing.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Do you think you learned anything sitting watching it rather than racing, other than being extremely frustrated? Yeah. I'm sure, but like. Yeah, I had this conversation with somebody else recently
2: too. And I don't know if. I mean, I feel like I definitely learned something, but it's hard to. I kind of quantify what it was yeah. exactly, but it was just interesting for me just to watch and kind of see everybody's kind of race routine or just the race from kind of the sideline just yeah. to see kind of know, it's what people do and kind of the feeling of being in the race and how intense it always feels when you're there in it and then just like be on the outside <laughs> watching and how calm it actually like, yeah, it yeah. can be. gave you some
0: perspective maybe yeah, on exactly. But yeah. Cool, and I—I I heard you've been doing a little bit of coaching in the off season, like receiving some coaching. Is that true? Well, I mean, I
2: always try and obviously better my my riding, and I've been thinking a lot about it a lot more over the past few years. For, for some reason, just getting like super into it. And um, one of my friends is a um, he's kind of a, a coach, and we always chat about stuff. But um, Todd Schumlich with PerformX Training, like I, he does all my like strength training and Mm -hmm. everything. And then um, he's with Yohan Borelli, who obviously used to race EWS and stuff. And we recently did a little coaching session up in in Squamish, which is is fun, just to be with like another top-level rider who obviously doesn't, you know, he's not connected to racing and whatever now, so he can kind of be more of an open book to people. And yeah, that was really, really good just to see kind of, you know, obviously he does Into the Gnar and does big drops and hacks and whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, just doing like smaller stuff and seeing how that those skills can be applied to, to riding in general.
0: Uh, and that, was, that was kind of a fun little experience. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear riders at your level going after that sort of stuff. Is that yeah. just something you are, you're obviously always looking to improve, yeah?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's always good just to, you know, always look at your form and make sure you're doing that right. Cause if you want to improve the bike, you also gotta, you know, you gotta improve yourself and make sure you're solid as well.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Sean, how are you feeling ahead of, uh, of this week? I'm pretty good. I'm thinking
1: I've got a, a pretty good, um, crew this year. Um, yeah, I've got a really good base of mechanics and Damien's got everything dialed and the riders being looked after by our one year, Amanda and Jared doing all his things. So, I think in terms of um, like uh, workload and everything like that, I've got a, a good amount to just focus on Richie, um, and I've got another mechanic sort of solely focusing on Dex and Casper, mm-hmm. and then another mechanic looking after the e-bike team. Um, while nice. while I'm sort of overlooking that stuff, it's I need to be there to help out with that stuff because I'm I'm sort of involved with everything. Yeah. But yeah, the. The feeling of the team, like, hanging out with these guys and doing a little bit of pre, uh, pre I guess, settings and stuff with the Fox guys, I think we're all in pretty good setup. Um, and so I'm feeling pretty confident for them. Um, it'll be good to see how uh, Richie and Casper have come through this offseason. Yeah. Um, like, I have no doubt. They were both, like, swapping stage wins in Ironton when we were there a couple of weeks ago, and Bex just won it pretty convincingly over our other national rider kate um but yeah i'll be happy to see i'll be excited to see how bex is going here on home trails so especially on a yeti i know how fast she was going on her um previous team so yeah it'd be good to see her with the turquoise bike Definitely, Um, and yeah
0: just excited to get the the crew out there nice one well it's been super interesting chatting appreciate your openness i'm excited to see you out on the hill i hope it all goes well Fingers crossed uh, for a good weekend. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, that's it for this episode with Richie and Sean. I hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Kushcore for helping me get these guys on the show and supporting this episode. If, like Richie, you want to go bigger, corner harder, and ride faster with total confidence, then kushcore.com is the place to head. If you're looking for something unique and original to wear on that bike, then check out Psychology. High quality riding kit at incredible prices is made even better with their offer for downtime listeners of 20% off until the 5th of July. Head over to psychologygear.co.uk, that's psychology spelled C-Y-C-O-L-O-G-Y, and use the code DOWNTIME20 at the checkout. That's downtime, all uppercase, followed by the number 20 over at psychologygear.co.uk. If you're in the market for a set of carbon wheels from a brand that really does sweat the details to create a rim that's robust, high quality and rides like a dream, then you need to head over to WheelOneComposites.com now. As a downtime listener, you can get 15% off any wheel sets built with Onyx Vespa hubs and all rim-only products until the 31st of July by using the code VESPA15 at the checkout over on WheelOneComposites.com. That's V-E-S-P-E-R-1-5, all uppercase over at WheelOneComposites.com. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you want to check out my lovely print project with the guys over at Miss Spence Summers. Downtime EP issue one is there and EP2 is hot on its heels. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride.